You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome back. Welcome to a fresh week. I am so glad that you're here and that we're spending this time together. And I'm thrilled to share the work of my guest with you today. Her name is Eugenia Kuzmina, and she rose to fame working as a model for Dior and Hermes. She's appeared in Vogue, Elle, and so many others. She left home in post-Soviet Russia when she was still a teenager in order to support her family after her father, who's a Chernobyl nuclear scientist, passed away. So in this episode, we are talking about her incredible journey modeling, traveling Europe, um, what seems you know to be a very glamorous lifestyle, but in reality, she was really working hard to support her family and to survive. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about how she balances motherhood with a thriving acting career, how she teaches her young children to think critically in a world often filled with subconscious messaging, and how she says yes to a life she loves. And that's probably my favorite part of this interview. Um, and, you know, it, it can be applied to all of our lives, you know, how we really decide to design a life that we love, that we want to live each and every day. Um, in the face of so many other people's opinions on why we can't do that or shouldn't do that. So I think you're really going to love this episode. If you do, please share it with a friend. Um, That's been really the best way for the show to grow. Of course, if you can, leave us a review. It takes 30 seconds. It's so, so appreciated. And I want to share another review from a listener. Their name is Max Stefan One, and they said, The guided meditation is very peaceful and relaxing, moving into a pure state of happiness. Great interviews, great podcasts. And so if you're trying to meditate more, definitely subscribe so that you never miss a guided meditation on a Wednesday. And of course, every Monday we do incredible interviews like this one with you, Gina. And if you would like your review read uh, next week on Monday, leave one and uh, tell me what you think of the show. And who knows, you might be hearing your name before the start of that episode. So enjoy this episode with my guest, Eugenia Kuzmina. Today's sponsor is Hero Cosmetics. They sent us over the Mighty Patch, which is a hydrocolloid acne patch. And I actually had a pimple pop up last night, so I slapped on a Mighty Patch original, and in the morning, the pimple was completely flat. It was so cool. And I think as women, we're really used to dealing with harsh chemicals as a way to clear up acne on our skin. I mean, I'm in my 30s, and I'm still dealing with this, especially when it comes to ovulation time or PMS time. Like, they just come up. So to have something that doesn't burn my skin and feel like it's tearing it apart is really incredible and in the mighty patch there's only one simple ingredient and it's suitable for even the most sensitive skin types and it's kind of cool when you take off the patch you can actually see the gunk from the pimple in the patch so it's oddly satisfying as gross as that sounds to see how it's just cleared and cleaned up your skin Um, and again you put it on overnight and what was once red and gross and disgusting is now this healed flat surface. So definitely go to herocosmetics.com and use the code mother15 and see for yourself. This episode is sponsored by savethechildren.org. Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, they work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results to millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children, every day and in times of crisis, transforming their lives and the future we share. Right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis of our lifetime, threatening children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. 
With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. For just $5, you can buy a baby's first book, providing comfort and inspiring a lifelong love of learning. For just $25, you can serve a nutritious breakfast and lunch to five out-of-school children in need. Go to savethechildren.org slash savekids to learn more and to contribute. Well, hello, Eugenia. Welcome to the show. I am so glad that you're here. Hi, Liz. I'm so excited to be part of your podcast. I know it's really inspirational and, you know, as a mother, it's, it's just so exciting to share and to connect. Yeah. And really like, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because you are a mom, you are doing amazing things um, in the world. But before we get into all of that, I always love to start with the origin story and your origin story is particularly fascinating. Your father alone, what he did for a living was fascinating. So can you take us back? Can you give the audience a little bit of background about you and how you grew up and how you came from a small town in Russia to traveling the world as a model and actress? Sure. Thank you for such an uh, interesting question. <laughs> There's so much to, to answer, but, you know, to make it short, I was born in post-Soviet Russia. It's a completely different regime from U.S. Uh, we grew up on food lines. My dad was a nuclear scientist, and he was one of the first responders to Chernobyl disaster. So he was with Kurchatov. I don't know if you guys seen the HBO uh, film yeah. recently. And I, I think there is a lot of, you know, realistic... Um, depiction of the situation. I think that female uh, scientist character, one of the main ones, was partly based on my dad, actually, um, as we watched with my sister. And it was interesting. So instead of Cinderella stories, I heard a lot about, you know, kind of compassion and how you have to care about people and just be curious and learn because, you know, it it was a very different uh, childhood. We didn't have a lot of toys which, you know, I don't regret because I think it taught me a lot of uh, things about imagination and using your creativity, you know, and as kids, I think you really see world in a really magical perspective, no matter how you grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gave me a lot of resilience later on in life when I had to, you know, move to Paris by myself at 15 and start signing contracts and, you know, kind of take responsibility for myself and my family, my little sister. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's a journey, you know, definitely not a destination. And uh, I've just been blessed to kind of have all the experiences, you know, and stay grounded. That's amazing. And one of the things that really struck me when I was reading about your work and how you got started was that you know, you found so much joy performing and hearing the loud music and feeling, you know, the, the eyes of the audience on you. Did you always know, even as a child, that that's what you wanted to do with your life? Well, it's interesting because growing up in post-Soviet Russia, in our school, we weren't really encouraged to express a lot of creativity. A lot of times, you know, it has to be like right or left. I think a lot of regimes that are really you know, strict. They don't allow you to think outside the box or develop critical thinking. There was a lot of propaganda going on. So even drawing or like having drawing classes, I wanted to experiment. And I'm just so excited to see how my kids are growing up now and are encouraged to, you know, think outside the box and communicate and like write letters. For us, it wasn't really the case. I had a creative, I think, 
side of me just because of my dad. It was like just the DNA, you know, somebody who's a scientist is not only like left brain, they actually are very creative. We grew up with poets like Yevtushenko who went to jail after for writing some of his poems, but we definitely grew up around a lot of artists. So, you know, I kind of was inspired by my parents to, to pursue that. Um, but I was also as well punished by my school, you know, to kind of go that, go in the trout. So I think I kept secret about um, my passions for a very, very long time. God, that's so crazy to hear because you're right. Like growing up in America, everyone is an artist. Everyone, you know, can do whatever they want to do. And that's encouraged almost to a fault, you know. <laughs> um, so that's, it's just incredible to hear that completely different perspective. So when you were offered the opportunity to go and model, you know, at the young age of 15, were you scared? Did you ever think, you know, maybe I, I just need to stay here and get married and have a family and have a traditional life? Or were you ready to just go? I never thought about just getting married. You know, for me, it was very important to be independent. And I think you can see in a lot of um, models, maybe at that time, who kind of escaped or uh, you know, anybody from the Soviet regime or, you know, third world country, this strive to be independent because through what you've been, you know, and that was always kind of the main thing for me, um, you know, to be self-educated and pursue a career, not just survival job. I didn't have a lot of choices. You know, it wasn't like a glamorous choice of life. There wasn't like a business, like a fashion business or commercial business. I lost my dad when I was 15. So mm -hmm. I had to support my family. And it was more of a financial decision because I had to become a provider. In a way, I was even at 13 earning more than my dad, um, you know, who had a degree and finished all these universities. So I kind of made a conscious choice that that was the best for my family. And of course, it was a huge opportunity because we couldn't really travel outside of Russia at that time, like at the you know, end of 90s, even 2000, wow. was so much turmoil and so much change in the country. So I think modeling gave me such a huge opportunity. And, you know, I've been always a person who would say yes to any opportunity. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Was, what, did he die because of his exposure to Chernobyl? Not really. I mean, a lot of his you know, colleagues that happened to them, he, um, he had a heart attack. And I think a lot of times it really waited on him because they tried him and Legasov to kind of, you know, tell to the West what really happened and all the territory that was exposed to it. So a lot of people suffered who had no idea that they are living in the territory that was exposed. And I think it really waited on him. And that's why he tried to tell us you know a lot of things about that he tried he tried to immigrate to Vienna but we weren't allowed at that time and you know it wasn't easy like his life and journey wasn't that easy and he was writing a book you know and in the process of working on things but you know his mm -hmm. legacy definitely lives on and I tried to support the environment as much as I can <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So, so take us through, you know, you, you're modeling in Paris, you're, you're really going all over the world. What was that like when you were in the flow of that? And yes, you are supporting your family. Yes, you have a higher purpose. It's not just all fun. I mean, it can't be. Um, what, what did it feel like when you were doing that traveling the world? I mean, was it, did you feel like you were in the flow that you were, you were on the right path or was it it's still a lot of work? It's, 
so misunderstood that, you know, the business of a fashion model, I think even in movies, like I, I haven't seen even like next top model, there's still so much glamorous aspect because I think that's what people want to see a lot of times. And, you know, I'm actually working on uh, a comedy book to demystify kind of things. And, you know, it's kind of a healing process in a way. Um, I think a lot of times people don't understand that like you are thrown as a teenager, you're like 13 and 14 and you advertise really provocative, you know, um, products, which are for much older generation. And you're always around adults and you have to negotiate your contracts. You have to pay your rent. Um, you know, when I moved to Paris, obviously they give you an advance for maybe like six months and you have to work this advance back. You have to pay back for your apartment. You have to pay back taxes, you know, the agency commission and things like that. And you live with maybe like six models in one apartment and bunk beds. And it, I mean, it was amazing and exciting and an adventure, of course. You know, you always take the positives, but it, it's not always like, hey, like this is a glamorous thing, even though you wear all these incredible gowns mm -hmm. by, you know, designers that are one of a kind, then you have to take them off and go back to the subway and go to the next job. And you don't know when your next job will be. So, you know, it's definitely a career that requires a certain, you know, discipline and willingness and, you know, desire to pursue it. That's, I think that's so cool what you just said. I mean, how real you were about that. I think so many girls, you know, that's their dream. That's what they want to do. I mean, yeah, because it is complete glamour. And then when you peel back the layer, especially in the fashion industry, and I feel like this year in particular, a lot of veils have been taken off about what's really going on in the world. And that's one of them, you know, with sustainable fashion, getting more of more eyes on that versus just fast fashion. If there was something in the fashion world that you would want to see change based on your experience, what would that be? I think the standards of beauty are really subjective. And I would love, I know it started to broaden up. Like when I started modeling, there was one type of beauty. Like you have to be a certain height, you have to be thin and you have to, you know, all the girls would strive to that and then they would develop things like anorexia and there were a lot of troubles because you just try to achieve that one standard that everybody would write is like, this is what is beautiful. But I didn't believe in that. You know, I think there's so many standards of beauty and, you know, now we can see that they're plus size models, they're older models, but I still feel that you know, that like ageism and sexism still exists in this business, no matter what. And I would love for people to broaden their understanding and, you know, appreciation of just, you know, human beauty in its natural process. Because yeah. I, I think no matter, you know, who you are, and Alicia Keys is actually amazing in that, like when she stopped wearing makeup for a while, I think makeup is an amazing thing to play with. And that's what I'm trying to teach my daughter. It's not something that makes you more beautiful. It's just like a tool to, to have fun. I wish that, you know, we kind of have more discussions about that and advertisers would hire different diverse models and not Photoshop as much. Uh, the pictures and we would have more appreciation and less, you know, Instagram type of fraction and yeah. obsession with that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how do you think that we really do change the culture, you know, in the West about what is beautiful? Do you think it's 
the people who actually hire the models and then put that content out there? Is it like a ground level understanding of, okay, like everything is beautiful. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what the right answer is. I I think so. You know, I think it takes incredible courage to speak out just from being a talent. I think the real power is when you are a creator not just the person for hire in the campaign. So I would definitely encourage a lot of girls. And I think some of them, like Heidi Klum, you know, they went behind the scenes and developed their brands and they were more in charge and in control of their image and their career and how much they would be paid. So, you know, I would definitely encourage young girls who start out, just think about like developing their own brands and then using their voice to, you know, progress the industry or also you know, have courage to talk to advertisers and say no to projects that are not aligned with your vision, which is not easy. You know, if you're coming from third world country and this is your paycheck. So, you know, I think it's something that definitely comes from the production side of you or from the people who write the stories, but it doesn't say that we don't have as like, you know, as a talent or as anybody in front of the camera, our voice. So I think it's very important to understand that consciousness and develop the voice. I love that. Was there a moment when you were, you know, going up through the ranks, getting more and more popular, where you really found your voice, where you, you know, saw your contract and you're like, no, this is unacceptable. I'm not going to accept this, like versus when you first got started. You know, it's interesting because I feel like now I'm finally finding my voice after having my kids Mm -hmm. because they really inspire me to look at the world from such a different perspective, especially when I had my daughter just looking back at everything that I've done. You know, I want to teach her different lessons that, you know, she can have self-esteem and self-confidence and be who she is. So I try to instill that. And obviously that makes me change, you know, who I am because as a parent, you lead by example, not just by what you say. So now I'm much more selective, but it definitely took me a lot of therapy and, you know, a lot of um, self-work and analyzing to actually be able to say no to things and projects and defend things that I I, you know, really believe in. And it's not easy because you really go against mainstream at times and you lose a lot of jobs. And it's an interesting negotiation with yourself, first of all. Oh, I love that you just said that because I think that that's so spot on. It's like the world changes when our relationship with ourself changes. And and you're right. It's like when we have kids, we we have to up-level ourselves. You know, if we really want to be good mothers and, and strong for our children, no one else is going to protect them more than us. So we have to really move into that role. And it, I remember when my son, my oldest was first born and I had to have a difficult conversation with the daycare provider and I did it, but then I'm in the car going home, just crying because I was so, you know, emotional and wrapped up that I had to have a hard conversation. And do you ever, did you ever have anything like that when you became a new mom? Like what was, what was that like for you, that transition? from this public personality to now just this vulnerable mother with a baby oh my god I can can't like completely understand uh, your experience uh, definitely it's an ongoing struggle you know every day I wouldn't say it's a struggle it's just a process 
of, you know, being a parent because there's no one parent, there's no like book on motherhood, no matter how much you read. And, you know, I've read a lot with my first one and went to all the CPR classes and, you know, everything that like you store in, you know, your intelligence, but then this life comes in who's imperfect and depends on you and you know you suddenly have to make all these choices and they're not easy so I think thank God to a lot of instinct that is wired in us like as long as you trust it and it's never it's never gonna be perfect you know like every day I struggle with like oh my god like you know I'm a terrible parent I didn't do it well I think humor helps a lot and you know the balance of like looking how other mothers so I think it's so important that you have this platform for moms to discuss because I think we'll inspire each other by our stories and vulnerabilities and imperfections but definitely a lot of times you know it was a really hard transition from modeling as like such a self-centered industry just by nature because you have to always be like an athlete and take care of yourself and health and like whatsoever to be on top and then just take complete responsibility for another human being where you don't have time to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself at all or sleep or anything you fail most of the times you know you get late you lose jobs you have to like you know not go to jobs because your kids are sick and you know it's it's a constant like journey of ups and downs And what I learned the most is like, it's really okay to ask for help because, you know, first you really try to be this like perfect mom and like make it all happen and just stay on top of everything. But then I think you'll collapse unless you really find a balance of like personal balance, authentic balance to you. There's no such thing as like perfect balance, you know? No, no, there's not. And the the whole idea that we have to have it all together to be super mom, to be, you know, full-time working and everything, like most households have two full-time working parents, like that's just the way it is. And so to to think that you're going to have it all together and be perfect, I think is just crazy. And we all say like, this is crazy. This is not realistic, but then we're still all trying to, to get to that goal. So for you, I'm curious, like, what do you do to nurture yourself to to try and you know rise up your own self-trust to stay balanced what works for you really well uh stand-up comedy (laughs) I love that talk to us about that well it's amazing it's actually like therapy a lot of times people would ask like oh are you funny do you write jokes but it's not about jokes it's about sharing all this embarrassing and terrible and like self-doubting moments with total strangers and seeing if they go through that or they can relate to that. And that's why they laugh. So a lot of times, you know, (laughs) things that really frustrate me or I would doubt about, you know, motherhood or anything else, I would just go on stage and talk about them. And I think humor is such a, an amazing medicine, um, you know, and also now in these times of pandemic and every parent having to teach their kids and to transition to zoom, I can see so many moms became such amazing comedians, you know, like everybody's <laughs> writing jokes back and forth. <laughs> like mm-hmm. after this is over, we're all going on tour because now we have like so much material. <laughs> and now a quick break with a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Smart for Life. The Smart for Life program is a healthy way for quick and safe weight loss. By following the program correctly, you can burn 3,500 calories or one pound every two days. 
It was created by Dr. Sassan Mulavi, who's a bariatric physician with over 20 years of experience. The Smart for Life diet can help you lose weight the healthy and sustainable way. And so what happens on this diet? Well, you get to eat cookies, but they're not just regular cookies. It's um, five to six cookies that you eat throughout the day with a glass of water, and they're full of protein and fiber, and they're low in sugar. So it's everything that your body needs to be healthy without all of the other junk. And if you're not a fan of cookies, I don't know how that could be, but some people aren't. They also have delicious soups and shakes. So this is a very effective diet to help you lose weight if you have been struggling and nothing is budging and you're looking for something new and safe and actually healthy to do that. So head over to smartforlife.com and check out their program today. And I'm so glad, you know, because you can definitely go into like despair and darkness or you can go to light and like self-care. It's really healing and I think it connects us all. I love that. I think you're so right. So how in the world did you go? I mean, I could see the transition from modeling to getting, you know, being in movies. You were in Bad Moms, which is so cool. I love that scene that you're in. Um, But then how do you transition to comedy? Because that to me is probably the most terrifying thing on earth. Being on stage, you don't know how the joke's going to land. You don't know if they're going to be, you know, warm to you and receptive to you. How did you step onto that stage? What, What drove you there? Uh, desperation (laughs) no actually you know I it's so strange because I I knew nothing about movie business or anything like that like I started only doing movies because my husband like was a producer and now he runs a studio so I kind of landed in the middle of LA being around you know this industry I started doing films and it's more for stable job after modeling you know you don't travel like every day and things like that Mm -hmm. so I thought okay I can do it as a career Um, and it's a little bit of a more interesting progression than just like how you look but also I found it challenging because you know Hollywood is very typecast so having a Russian accent was something where you get typecast I got typecast into like playing a spy or a gold digger and I'm like (laughs) you know this is like so boring I learned this five lines of like every movie and every script that's given to me so I was looking for you know new ways to communicate and to share it because I think that's the heart of life for me is like sharing our stories with other people and you know I was looking for the best way to do it authentically and there's not still enough of plays maybe of the Russian act you know actors or kind of like authentically people who have an accent. So I found stand-up is a great way to communicate storytelling and it kind of killed five birds at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure people too are like, they see this gorgeous woman, you know, with this accent, they're like, what is like, this is just so unusual than, than what you would normally see on stage. So have you, um, have you really kind of found your legs? Do you feel comfortable now when you get on stage or do you still kind of get nervous? No, you know, it's interesting. When I started doing stand-up, like, first time you go on stage, you don't know what's happening. It's like flying without a parachute, you know? <laughs> and it's all fine. But the second time, you start to, like, you want to recreate this same thing, and you start to get in your head. And, like, it's a process, right? So you bomb, and then you're like, can never go back up again. And then, you know, like, a lot of times when I started also stand-up, it was very, very much a male industry, 
and women are like, women are not funny, especially like if you're a pretty woman, like forget it. Or, you know, you have to do super self-deprecating jokes and nothing else. Like you can't reflect on the state of the world because you're not intelligent or like not intelligent enough. Uh, and you have to dress down also like you haven't showered for five days. That's literally what like a lot of bookers or managers would tell me. And I was like, this is so weird because it's not authentic to my story and like who I am. And it took me some time when just to get comfortable on stage and, you know, kind of to develop my voice and to really see that it wasn't about like the gatekeepers. It was about the audience and what they react to. And people react to truth and authenticity. Mm -hmm. So no matter what or who you are, if you're funny, you know, people would react to that. And that's why I love being on the tour. We're now going to Chicago, hopefully, you know, in July. And no matter if you go to a small town or somewhere, not like LA, and it's even more challenging to kind of connect to them and talk to their level. But also now I can go out on stage in a gown and be comfortable knowing that whatever I say, people would focus on that. And actually I try to challenge myself more and more to present the very controversial image to make people open their eyes to kind of see past the veil of just like my first perception of this person is that, you know, to kind of go deeper and share more humanity and our stories and history and vulnerabilities. So it, it's very exciting. Wow. I love that. I mean, it's almost like it is comedy, but I think the most brilliant comics are probably the most intelligent people in the world because they get that. They get what you just said. It's not just about the jokes and the laughs. It's about broadening people's mind. It's, it is, it's a form of art that actually uplifts the audience because you're giving them something else to think about, something else to consider. And so for you to really honor yourself and honor your story, I think is incredibly brave. And I think that that's incredibly rare. I mean, where do you think that the, that, that comes from inside of you? Did it come from your dad, from your mom? I mean, where does that come from? Yeah, I think my dad was a huge inspiration, of course, but also, you know, I feel traveling from such a like, young age and living in so many different regimes and cultures and just knowing people from all, all over the world. I really, you know, feel more open-minded in cultural sense and more accepting and kind of pushing boundaries and, you know, having critical thinking outside the box because you all, you know, I always had to kind of survive and be charged and responsible of my own life. So I feel that comes from there, but also being a 13 year old on my own in another country, I just look back and I feel like, you know, I want to support any girl any person who is by themselves and have that voice you know no matter what like to know that you're able to to do whatever you want with your life it's very important because I didn't hear that like a lot of times people would say like oh you can't do acting because you have like a kid you know what are you gonna do you can't do modeling or like whatever you know because you're in Russian like when would you go to other countries you don't have a visa like there's always mm -hmm. gonna be a no and I feel it's so important just to know that no is just a reflection of another person's perception in a way, you know, and just to know authentically where is your journey and to, to move forward. So I think it really inspires me to kind of this re rebellious in a good way behavior. <laughs> yeah. And do you see that in your own children? Do you see like reflections of yourself or, you know, in their unique personalities of that same, that drive, that ambition? 
it's an yeah I think they just saw that film bad moms and they're like you're a bad mom and it's like we're gonna we're gonna parent ourselves we don't listen to anything you're saying even though I tell them I'll send you to Siberia they're like sure <laughs> not another story what they're definitely rebellious I'm trying as much as I can I think growing up in Los Angeles in the middle of entertainment business in in its way like a different challenge just to keep them grounded and you know especially in the age of Instagram like likes are not something that gives you value you know the next sneakers or anything else like that so it is a challenge all the time but I'm trying to take them with me to participate in different things like with their hands collect plastic from the beach or carry for animals or things like that to kind of show them values the principal values of life I think they would understand that and then I really support their journey whatever they want to do I definitely don't push them towards like one thing or another I'm not trying to be like a stage parent or mm-hmm. you know anything like that so they definitely have a lot of free choices to pursue what yeah and I think that's really important too like to not be a helicopter parent you know have them scheduled out you do this and then you do this and then you do like especially as someone who came like with a few amount of toys and and someone who had to use her imagination to to be entertained you know because you didn't have a bunch of tv channels and things like that do you worry that there's just there's too much here in America do you ever wish that or do you ever want to like pare back what they're exposed to just because, you know, it helped you be the person that you are today? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I understand both sides of it. It's definitely, I think every generation looks at the new generation like, oh my God, like what are they doing? You know, and this is a progress of things. I understand, you know, they, some of the computer skills are necessary in our world and it's great. Like it develops their brain in a certain way. But there's also things that I think it's important to not get addicted because there's, they're bombarded by so many messages. And obviously in this culture where everything is advertisement and we live in a city where it's all billboards, like you come out and you're just subconsciously bombarded by messages. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because my daughter came up to me, she's eight, and she's like, mom, do you see in this ad, there's a subconscious message about that. So she like, she can see wow. all these things. Which even I, like as a model, didn't realize. So now it's like instead of puzzles, she like finds what are the messages. Oh my God, she's brilliant. It's interesting. I'm like, how did you know that? So it's a new game. I think it's important to critically think about everything that's given to you and just to, to know that you have a choice. It's not easy. Oh my God, that's incredible. So is there anything that you did in particular? Because I'm like, okay, how can I help my children be critical thinkers? Like, I I guess I always assumed that it was just like, you either were a critical thinker or you weren't, you know, you questioned things or you just didn't. Is there anything that you teach your children on a daily basis or you say to them to get them to think like that? Because that's at eight years old, that's incredible. Oh, you know, my husband is really great at that too. I mean, we have a huge library and there are few exercises. Like what we love to do is... Uh, we put music and we just draw for some time because it teaches your brain to kind of balance itself, you know. So I think it's all about like instinct and doing a lot of crafts. It kind of, you know, rewires your brain in a certain way to, it's interesting. There's a lot of psychology to that, but I think crafts and drawing and um, kind of creative writing is a really good tool for kids to know so they all have diaries they can always write and you know try to do as much as they can like artistically and it just 
gives them more opportunities to think outside of the box, not just like follow directions and do yeah. like left to right. So I love that. I'm totally going to do that. Like a half hour of music and free drawing. I love that. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, it's super, especially in pandemic, you know, it just gives you like this amazing release because colors, like we, we just put them, we don't think about them at like so much emotions that are, you know, we can release them good and bad and like whatever comes in and it, yeah. it's just an incredible tool. Oh, I love that. Oh, okay. So I can't have uh, an, an actress and model on the show without asking you about your skincare techniques, your tips, your tricks. I know it sounds superficial after everything that we've covered. We've gotten deep, but um, I am curious and I know the, the listener is too. So what are your best skincare techniques, body techniques, all of it? Well, you know, I grew up in Paris and I love, love how women in France take care of the skin. First of all, they appreciate natural beauty. Um, you know, even women of much older age, they don't put like so much, you know, plastic surgery. They really kind of appreciate their like seduction skills and, you know, the angles. So they work with that. And I just, I just love that approach. You know, I think coming to LA, it has been hard in the beginning because, you know, here there's such a incredible push at you to like, oh, like you can do this and you can add this. And I remember like I was 23 years old and I went to a dermatologist and she's like, well, let's put all of things in your face. So I put actually filler first in my face when I was 24. I had no idea what it is. And it took me two years. Thank God I was like, you know, recovering from my pregnancy. So my agents thought that like I had baby fat, <laughs> but it's actually, it was terrible for me, you know, and I, mm. I learned to never do anything like that. Like I try to take care of course now that, you know, I have like pigmentation. I try to, to do facial if I can, like once a month, you know, I have a really good facialist here. Try to do as much of like creams, but natural creams also. I try to check what's inside there. Um, sunscreen also and I was told that like it's better to use 30 SPF rather than 50 because of all the chemicals that are mm. inside so actually it's better to balance in that sense there's a lot of Russian tricks like if you have a sunburn you can put yogurt um, on and it actually takes out all the redness so I use a lot of that wow <laughs> yeah yeah it's really good and some people don't like it but I use sauna it's a really hot like sauna and then you go to cold water so it makes your skin very you know resilient to things but it depends on your you know on your skin so I think it's it's very personable too okay so we've covered skincare and obviously I, I completely believe that how we think about ourselves how we talk to ourselves affects hormones it affects how our skin looks it affects everything so do you have like a mantra that you say in the morning do you like look into the mirror and tell yourself that I love you I, I've had a lot of guests that talk about that I mean what do you do to really nurture your inner child to nurture your soul you know from you to you I feel meditation is really important you know and there are different kinds of meditation for me personally it's a little bit harder to meditate in silence my husband loves meditating in silence but I love to put kind of a guided meditation or, you know, like a music or there's binary beats, you know, there's all kind of things, which I love. It kind of centers me in the morning and, you know, gives me perspective and, you know, relaxation and just being present, uh, not spinning like in a monkey wheel yeah. all the time. Um, I love tarot cards. Uh, you know, there are a lot of interesting like psychology in that, 
And, you know, I just love to like all this inspirational um, coaches who have these tarot cards. You can put a card and it's kind of like a motivation for you for the day. And, uh, you know, they're all kind of different things. I love my flowers. I love walking the dog. I think just connecting to nature or animals is such an amazing, um, you know, raising of your vibration in general and something that makes you feel positive or hugging the kids. I know it's really tough now, like if you're alone, still in, in the lockdown, I know it's like, you know, up and down. But I think just, um, and actually was working with a meditation coach and she said, uh, walk barefoot in your house for some time because that really makes you grounded mm-hmm. and, you know, gives you energy. Or if you're on the beach, like walking in water, a barefoot, it also like raises your vibration. So the small things I think are really important being in your body and stretching, exercising. Yeah. And I think that that's spot on. I think a lot of women are not fully in their bodies. They, they live in their heads. Um, and I think that's when you see a lot of like weight gain and just hormonal disorders and things like that. But yeah, doing those things are incredible. We actually went to the beach in April, kind of, Mm. it was like midway through the lockdown and just walking on the sand, like feeling the water and the wind and you know, the salty air. I mean, that for me, was transformational. We got back from the beach and I swear my vibration was just, I just felt so much lighter, so much happier, so much like, like the water and the sand and everything had just like cleansed my entire chakra system. I don't know how else to say it. For sure. Yeah. My husband always says, you know, and like, he's like, emotions are up and down. Like it's never going to stay in the same way. You know, a lot of times in our busy lives like as moms you like oh my god this is the end of the world and you know sometimes you do go up and down it's impossible just to always be centered and you know being like a robot so it's good to it's definitely helpful to you know to just slow down a little bit and breathing and yeah. And know that it's going to pass no matter what you're feeling in this moment. Right. And even like the happy moments too, like as, as wonderful as they are, like appreciate them knowing that they're going to pass just like the down moments. That's, I think that's been a real big one that I learned this year. For sure. Yeah. I think there's such a culture, like it's interesting coming from Russia because Russia is such a stern culture, like nobody smiles and everything is so serious. And like, we are very realistic coming to America where everybody's like, I'm good. And like, everything is great, you know, and we're going to achieve so much. You know, it's interesting to find like that middle where it's not always going to be like, oh, we're, I'm striving for forever happiness. And like, that's the only goal. Or, you know, the other way around, like, let's just be like, you know, realistic and never like <laughs> hope for anything good. You know, it's true. There's no like, there's no point, like just yeah. happy or unhappy. Yeah, but we have covered a lot. And if there were one thing that you would want to leave with the listener after this talk, what do you think that would be? I would say, you know, it's so important to stay connected in this time, no matter what. I think it's important to, you know, call your family sometimes and check how they're doing. And I think it's really hard in lockdown for especially people who are by themselves. And I think it, it's just, it's important to, you know, to have gratitude and understand that we're never alone, actually, that, you know, there are the people and they're experiencing the same things, you know, it's a passing thing. And I think giving hope to each other and supporting each other, it's very important. So, you know, I would say hug 
anybody that you can or call anybody that you can, but, you know, try to, to just reach out to someone who you maybe haven't talked to in a long time and say hi and see how they're doing. And, you know, it's something outside of yourself. And I think it's an act of kindness and compassion that unites us as humans. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. So, you know, for the listener um, who might be in Chicago and might be able to see you on tour, hopefully, um, where can they find you online? Where can they find out about, you know, all the other work that you're doing? Your amazing morning show with moms. Uh, Tell us all the things. Um, Well, I have a blog, modelmom.tv, where, you know, would love to have you sometime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I always try to highlight other moms and ask for their secrets, you know, and their passion and things like that. Um, and also you can find me on my Instagram, Eugenia Kuzmina or Google. Now everybody's available, but social media, yeah, Instagram, usually I know we connected and you can message me a lot of times girls who want to start modeling or have some specific questions. I'm really happy to answer. Um, so yeah, nobody's unreachable. And if it's, if it's a really meaningful thing and I can be helpful, I would love to do that. You've been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it out on your social media, Instagram stories, and tag us at Motherhood Unstressed so we can share it back out and keep the conversation going on these important topics. Also, make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss out on an interview with an amazing guest or our weekly guided meditations every Wednesday. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is my line of organic USA-grown hemp that was specifically designed to help you, the listener, battle stress and anxiety naturally. And what CBD does is it helps your body's own endocannabinoid system function better. So you're sleeping better, you're experiencing less stress and anxiety, and you're able to get everything done with an overall feeling of security, of groundedness, of calm. So if you would like that in your life, head on over to motherhoodunstressed.com, click the shop tab, and use the code podcast to save.